1: Today, I'm hosting Mark Nepo. He's the author of Drinking from the River of Light. We'll be exploring the artistic expression as a journey that enlivens our lives and assists us in our spiritual growth. Mark, I would like to start with your journey of creation and going back to your love of poetry. Mm. And I'd love for you to share A story that you tell about when you were first reporting to your father that you were going to be a poet.
2: Yeah so when I was uh, a young man and you know in college just beginning in college and this was the moment a very mystical moment where I understood and realized I was a poet even though I hadn't written anything (laughs) but I was at Cortland State in upstate New York a small state college and was on a hill And i circling the hill in the little college town. You could fall off the hill in any direction. There was a bar. (laughs) And I was going down the hill, cresting the hill one day in the afternoon in spring. And a wind came past my ear from behind my head. And it stopped me. And I watched. And of course, you can't really see the wind. But I waited and I watched. And then maybe a quarter of a mile on the other side, after the valley, the other hill, I saw the wind go through those trees. And I knew it was the same wind. And I somehow understood the reach. And I don't know why, but I knew that let me know I was a poet. And so the next time I had vacation, you know, I went home as a, I think I was like a freshman, the end of my freshman year, went home. And I was all excited and I told my parents, I'm a poet. I'm going to be a poet. And, you know, you have to realize my parents were second generation Russian Jews here in America. I was the first one in my family to go to college. They also were, you know, had grown up in the Great Depression. So they were like, what? You're gonna do what? You know, they wanted me to either be an architect, a lawyer, something sub- substantial. And uh, and so we had the classic archetypal argument. My father, you know, very agitated. How are you gonna make a living? And I don't know where it came from me. I. I stood up in our kitchen, our little kitchen, and I said, I'm going to live a making. And he harumphed, and I didn't know what I just said. And it took me many years to discover through my apprenticeship as a spirit, as an artist, as a poet, what that really means.
1: Did that just like? emerged just straight out of your heart rather than your head?
2: It was more like a heart burp. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, so much of your writing is full of metaphor and also poetry, like your books are filled with your own poems and and then poems of other people and stories and metaphors. And there was one particular metaphor that you used. In this most recent book that really grabbed me. It was something that I have personally experienced. Mm. And this is a metaphor of being in the ocean and watching the waves come in and how they build up a crest, and then there's this undertow. And I was in the ocean once and got caught
0: in that undertow. So,
1: I mean, that's why it really spoke to me. Well,
0: this
2: is a great metaphor for the forces of life that we are always subject to because we are always brought forward by the waves of life force. And then the difficult things are always the undertow, pull us back. And it's dangerous because we can drown. We can drown. But our job when life pulls us back is to lean forward again. Pain, fear, worry, they push us back like the undertow. And that's when we need to lean forward and hold nothing back and lean back into life. And what's also very interesting as we look at that, if you look at waves, the undertow actually, as it goes back, gathers and fuels the next wave. Yes. Yes. So the very things that pull us back actually mount and help us move forward again. And so this is kind of like the metaphor really gives us kind of a little bit of, a, of an insight into the currents of life and how we are always subject to them. We are always subject to them because we are, we're kind of spiritual fish. We can't get out of that experiential water. Uh, that's where we live. So we have to know how to negotiate it
1: speaking about fish that reminds me of uh, the analogy that you use is that um you talk about fish being yes. in water and and how it breathes uh, yeah. through its gills and how the, yeah. our heart and so you compare yeah, this, it with the heart
2: yeah so this is another metaphor where a fish a simple fish is a great teacher because we all know fish live in water and again they're air breathing but how do they do that? Well, they literally do that through an organ that's known as a gill. We learn about this in junior high. Okay? But what does it do? The gill takes the water, it extracts the oxygen so it can breathe, and it discharges the rest. Well, the teaching here is that our heart is our gill. And in the river of experience, a strong heart extracts what's essential so we can keep living. And discharges the rest if we don't discharge it the heart gets clogged now one of the things that's very important is that we we learn also early on that we're told that you know fish have to keep moving in water or they'll die and that's so water will pass through their gills so they can breathe so they can do this process well i learned because of a i was giving a retreat in canada and one of the gentlemen in the retreat turned out he was a marine biologist so, like at lunch during one of the days, he said, you know, there's, there's something else about the gills you should know. I said, please tell me. <laughs> and, and so what he said is, you know, actually, that thing about fish needing to move to stay alive is not true of all fish. It's only true of sharks and skates. And the reason is that their gills don't have any muscle. So they don't have any choice if they're gonna have water move through their gills, they have to rush through water fast all the time. They can't stop. But all the other fish, their gills have muscle. So they have the choice. They can tread water and pull the water into their gills. And this is a great, now we can extend the metaphor in teaching because this is a great evidence to us of why every person needs an inner practice. It's to put muscle on your heart so you don't have to race through experience to get what's essential. If you don't have an inner practice, then what happens? Oh, we wind up riding fast cars, gambling, taking risks, courting danger, being on the edge. We can never be still because without an inner practice, without muscle on our heart, like sharks and skates, we got to keep moving if we have any chance of getting what matters to come into us.
1: Yes. Thank you for that beautiful analogy that helps us. And um, I know that your work often talks about having this conversation with life.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I think I learned this out of my journey through almost dying and being here, that we are here to be in conversation with life. And it's through that conversation that we are enlivened and that our pain is right-sized and that we stay current and that we are able to renew our journey over and over again. And what the assumption under that is that by staying in conversation, we allow life to teach us. So in the modern world, everything's a product. If I'm an artist, I'm going to manipulate material and create art. No, we discover we don't invent. We relate more than we author. And that's what this book is really about, is that deeper process that the, I relate to life so that I can be instructed and informed by all the forces of life, by everything that's larger than me. My definition of a mystic is if you believe in anything larger than yourself, you're a mystic. As soon as we start to talk about naming what's larger, then we go into our theological corners. It's God, it's Allah, it's this, it's nature, it's science. Even an atheist believes in something larger than themselves, they just call it nothing. (laughs) And I call it everything, so we can talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that reminds me of the three friendships that you talk about yes, yes so the the first friendship is just that the, one the
2: first friend then this is through the book seven thousand ways to listen but i encourage that we inhabit and give our energy to three friendships with life and that's not understanding that's that's because when we're friends we give more of ourselves that is our friendship with everything larger than us which opens up the wisdom of source. And this we could say is the work of being. And the second friendship is our friendship with the river of experience, which no one can escape. And this opens up the wisdom of being human. And the third friendship is we're very used to, this is more familiar to us. This is our friendship with each other and ourselves. And this opens up the wisdom of love.
1: But even in that one, it's maybe easier to be friendship with other and being friendship with ourselves. That's some bigger order, in, at least in Western culture.
2: Well, and this is why we need a personal practice of expression. Yes. And if we think of it also as like circulation, the blood has to circulate or the body will die. Well, the emotional heart, the spirit, has to circulate through our heart. Or we will die; we may not die physically, but we'll all know that human beings are the one species that can be the walking dead. We can still go pay the bills and go to the grocery store and make calls and be totally drained of life force so
1: your all of your work, all of your books, all of your workshops they're all encouraging us to be that vital force to really tap into that in our personal expression and contribute it.
2: Yes. Yes, and to discover what form of personal expression speaks to you. It, it can be anything and again we can be very wide. It doesn't it's not just the formal arts.
1: And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be good as far as no, the world
2: sees. No, you know there's a great uh, Aldous Huxley, the great philosopher who did his philosophy through novels often, but he has a novel called Antique, and what it's about is a clique or a group of artists and writers and painters in London, and they meet all the time in a cafe, and they have these big conversations. But among them, the least talented is a painter, but he loves painting and seeing. He is more passionate than any of the others, even though he's less gifted. And every time they get together, all these other very clever and intellectual people, they make fun of him without even, he doesn't even realize it. And then he leaves and they all laugh. But the whole point of the story is, who's really the artist? Yes. Is it all these gifted people who can turn a phrase and be clever, but they're half-hearted? And here's this one person, he can't paint hardly at all. But he is so wholehearted that there is nothing between him and life. And he sees the most beautiful things, even though he can't paint them. Who's the real artist? Yes.
1: In 2020, you're going to yes. offer something very, very special for a small group of people, yes. actually. And can you say something yes, about that? Yes, thank you.
2: So in, in next year, starting next March, I'll be offering three forms of a spiritual journey for th- no more than 30 people in Kalamazoo where I live and one will be a year-long journey which is the same group will travel uh, will come together four times a year four weekends over a year and the second form is 30 people will come together for a deep dive six days together. And the third one is a threshold, an introduction to the kind of work I do, which is a weekend. So on my website, there's a video and there's a link where all the details are there and and there are still some spots left so people can see if this speaks to them.
1: Great, great. So thank you for that. And I want to remind our listeners that Mark Nepo is the author of many books and poems, But the most recent one is Drinking from the River of Light, The Life of Expression. And if you want to know more about it and all of his work, you can go to his website, marknepo.com. He spells his last name N-E-P-O, marknepo.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Thoms, and I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do,